Hello, and you're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work and life and love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. And right now, we are blessed to have our chief engineer with us, Matt Montgomery. and Chief. Chief. <laughs> chief. As in overall, you know, there, there is no other. Our Uber engineer, right? right? Uber, right? German for over. Anyway, listen, here's the thing. So Matt's with us, and we're going to talk to him in just a second. But before we get going, I need to explain that this is not a program of counseling by radio. It's just discovering God's will in our life and trying to encourage one another for it. Discipleship in plain English. Herman, please, before I get too far off the path, would you pray for us? Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have here to gather and talk about your word. Thank you for the study of your word and how it enlightens us and provides wonderful insights into all of the ways that you have given to us to learn about you and see you. Thank you for this particular section that we're going to be talking about, male and female, and how your image is bestowed in that. In your precious name, amen. Amen and hallelujah. Please, Herman, before we bring Matt into the conversation, we've been talking about the unifying theory. Can you kind of lay the groundwork for me? Right. The theory that I have is since the image of God is this concept of separate and belonging, and we have come to that conclusion through the idea of God saying he created male and female. When we look at this concept of separate belonging, you see it everywhere. You see the idea if if a relationship has too much power in it, too much separateness, it makes the relationship go bad. If it is too belonging, it doesn't have principles that it's using, it goes bad. You see it in business. Businesses are too powerful, uh, not paying attention to the people. That makes the business be too much on the separate side. If they're too belonging, they don't follow their own type of strategy. You see it everywhere. Personalities, TV shows, movies. You see this concept everywhere. It's the reason why I call it the uh, unifying theory. (laughs) Paying attention to even in leadership, the way we talk about it, in leadership, you're either looking for results or you're looking to relate. And when you do one to the exclusion of the other, it causes leadership to not be as good. So, When you have a mindset that leadership, as well as all these other things, involve both a separate component and a relational component, you're going to look at life probably in a better way. Okay, so to summarize, like in 10 seconds or less, what we were talking about in the previous program's unifying theory. We want to tie this back to the way that we've been talking about it all along. Men are more on the work side or powerful side. Women are on the relational and belonging side. We're not talking about development. We're talking about design. And if anybody wants to go back and dial into what we're talking about, our website, Great Relationships, GRNumeratelationships.com. And in addition to the broadcast that you can listen to on the Unifying Theory, they can turn into chapter... This is chapter two. This is everything in chapter two related to the image of God and uh, the designs of men and women and, and how all of that works. Okay, so moving forward, Matt, thank you for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. You are our chief engineer. You do a lot of things. You're at the Triple L Ranch and you're a web designer. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, I work for Next Step Discipleship Ministries and we've got a retreat center out there at Triple L where we're doing biblical antiquities, rebuilding things that you would find in the land of Israel from the Bible that 
bring the Bible to life for folks. And that's in Midland, Texas. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, eight miles south of Midland, Texas. And we also have the video studio and the radio studio, which we're recording in right now. Um, Thank you. <laughs> that's right. Thank you very much. Absolutely. <laughs> and so we're also building websites and uh, doing anything that we can use technology and our God-given talents to bless the kingdom of God. So. Okay, bless God. Now, I've got to ask, you have been putting a lot of energy with a friend of ours, Tim Dunn, and you guys are creating this website. I think it's called The Bible Says. Is that right? That's correct. So tell me about this. How does it work? Why are you guys doing it? Isn't there enough commentaries and stuff out there? Well, we're in the birthing stages of this. We just got the domain name, thebiblesays.com. Uh, we hope to have it launched in um, September or October. Basically, you know, I think a lot of commentaries try to um, insist that you need them in order to interpret the Bible. And that's not what we want from this commentary. We want to empower people to realize that they can unlock the Bible for themselves. It's, uh, you know, the Bible was written in a normative way to normal people. It wasn't written to scholars, doctors, and teachers. It's written to your everyday layman. And we don't want folks to get intimidated thinking that, that they need someone else to interpret the Bible for them. You know, the Catholic Church for thousands of years tried to insist upon this, and we're trying to remove that dogma and give people the tools that they need to unlock the Bible for themselves. You know, it's interesting because we could get into discussion about version and vernacular. And when I'm in the prison and stuff, people will often tell me the Bible that I have, I can't read. Mm -hmm. And yet you look at 600 years ago, 700 years ago in our history, when there was a Bible that people could read, people were being burned at the stake for the faith that they were coming to know, the relationship they were developing with God. Matt, you're one of my heroes, and I'm going to say why. Herman is always talking about the need to get in the Bible every day. And the conversation we're about to have is not because you're a Hebrew scholar or you're a super holy man or a Pharisee. It's because you're a follower of Christ and you push in every day to learn more. Well, I'd like to think that's true, yes. Humility yeah. at work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the text of the Bible has intrigued me since I was a young boy. I've always looked at it as the ultimate truth in, in this world and God's gift that he first gave to the Jewish people and they in turn gave to the world. I just love studying it. I love looking at the original languages, specifically Hebrew. And there's just so much truth and life in there that can transform anybody. So Okay, so I, I want to set that out so people understand in talking to you, and they're going to want to go back and listen to this broadcast again, maybe dig a little bit deeper, maybe go to the website, the Bible says, and, and see what that's all about. But I say this as an encouragement because there's not an alphabet soup behind your name. You are at a level where God would like any of us to be, if we're willing, as Herman says, to make that daily effort. Mm -hmm. So with that said, that encouragement. Herman, how do we tie this into the unifying theory and what God lays out in Genesis 1:27? And Matt with Hebrew, please. Well, what Matt has uh, come up with here, and it's so instructive to be able to look at this, is to consider the Hebrew words for husband and wife or male and female that ties back to what we believe is so critical in understanding the image of God. And when you go to Genesis 1, 26, 27, where we're looking at how all of this works together, then we're able to see this concept of male and female. It carries itself further in the chapter so that you actually see some Hebrew words. But the big idea is, what in the world does this male and female look like 
in the Hebrew here? What, what does that uh, look like? And that's the reason why uh, Matt has provided us some great insight into this. Okay, we're looking a break in the face. So, Matt, where are some places I can go to follow what we're going to talk about? Sure. You know, of course, the Hebrew Bible is uh, where we're going to be looking. I'm going to try to transliterate it for you uh, to get the points across. I'll use sometimes English letters to transliterate Hebrew letters. But if there's any resources you may have, there's a great website called meconmamory.com. Uh, it has a parallel Hebrew-English Bible. There's also blue letters. You letter. may need to spell that. Uh, yeah, uh, meconmamory. Uh, is spelled M-E-C-H-O-N and then a dash M-A-M-R-E dot org. Mm-hmm. And so uh, th- they have a great resource there. Uh, also, the blueletterbible.com also has great tools to where you can go to each verse and see the Hebrew behind each word. So, mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll be back with more of Matt and, of course, Herman right after this. You're listening to Great Relationships, GR Numerate Relationships, Com. Before we go, I want to invite you to drop us a line at Great Relationships, P.O. Box 51836. That's Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. Great Thoughts for Great Relationships Knowing and practicing this definition of love is the key to all good relationships. Love is seeking the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. Hello, this is Jim Lasher, founder of HOT, which stands for Honor Our Troops. Honor Our Troops began when I started sending care packages to my son who was serving in Afghanistan with the 501st Airborne. Chad told me about so many others that were not receiving anything in the mail by letter or care package from home. Since then, we have sent over 38,000 care packages to men and women serving in the armed forces around the globe. One story involves Sergeant David Perez, whose wife signed him up in one of our community outreach events. Here's David to tell you about it. Every time I received a care package from HOT, it was like Christmas for me and my soldiers. Receiving the package and the thank you and the support it represented boosted morale and opened a door to share the love of Christ. You can imagine the power of unconditional love. To learn more about sponsoring a corporate or community event, or if you would like to participate directly by sending a package, visit us online at www.hot-honorourtroops.com. Hello, you're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. And with us is our chief engineer and all-around blessing, Matt Montgomery. And we're talking about Ishnur Shah. Of course, actually, that's part of this unifying theory that Herman's mm-hmm. talking about, which can be found in Chapter 2 of the Great Relationships material at grnumeratelationships.com. Matt, the website you were giving, if we want to follow along? The blueletterbible.com has tools if you want to go to that verse, and then there's a little button right next 
to it that says tools, go to interlinear, and then it will pull up the Hebrew word behind every English word in the Bible. And if you do this before you know it, you're going to have spent at least an hour in God's word just <laughs> checking out what we're talking. So bless God in all of this. Let's go ahead. Matt Ishnashah, the image of God. Well, thank you. I'd like to say that I did not come up with this, first off. It was shown to me through uh, the Talmud. And if for those of you who don't know, the Talmud is an ancient document that dates to about the 7th century AD. It was written down by great Jewish sages, and it was largely based on oral traditions in the first century. Christ would have been familiar with a lot of these teachings. They were oral at that time, but then they were written down for the sake of preservation in the Talmud. And so the Talmud actually brings this idea out of Isha and Isha. First, let me give you the spelling of Ish and Isha. Ish, which means male or husband, would be spelled in Hebrew Aleph, Yod, Sheen. Now, English letters corresponding to that would be A for Aleph, Y for the Yod, and then SH for the Sheen. Also, the Isha, the woman or the female or the wife, is spelled Aleph, Sheen, Hey. And its corresponding English letters would be A, SH, H. When we look at these two Hebrew words, there's also other things going on here. If you take the things that are in common with both words, we see the Aleph and the Sheen occur both in Ish and Isha. So whenever you take those two letters and put them together, they spell the word Aish, which is the Hebrew word fire. Does that mean romance? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more of the consuming type. <laughs> I got that one. I didn't even have to ask. What's unique about these two words is the yod in man, or the yod in ish, which is the y, and the hey in woman, which is the h. And when you stick those two words together, it spells yah. Now, Yah is a shortened form of the word Yahweh, and David even uses it as Yah in one of the Psalms, whose name alone is Yah. And so it's definitely a title of God, the creator of all things. I'd like to elaborate on what the Talmud says about this. It was Rabbi Akiva who was alive in the first century. He says, if a husband, an Ish, and a wife, an Isha, are worthy of the divine presence, and it will dwell with them. And if they are not, it, the fire will consume them. And so what he's trying to say here is whenever you keep Yah in the midst of your marriage, God is there. He's dwelling with you. It's going to be a beautiful thing, something that God intended for it to be. But if you remove Yah from this, you have this double Aish, Aish and Aish. Whenever a Hebrew word is double, they didn't have exclamation points in the Bible. So whenever the Hebrew wants to put an exclamation point, they double it. They'll put the word twice. And so mm. Aish, Aish means a sure consuming fire will happen. You're saying we're not relieved from any of the trials and tribulation of life, but if I take God out of the marriage, it's going to consume us. Yeah. God created marriage, and he desires to be in the midst, just like he was with the, in the garden. It's this concept of God dwelling with us. It actually points to the tabernacle and the temple. God desires to dwell with mankind, and he does that by dwelling with us. Just like what the a, temple had to be sanctified for him to dwell there, so our marriage must be sanctified for him to dwell there. What a beautiful picture that you just gave us right there. The idea of Yah being with Ish and Ishah, that he is dwelling with us in a yes. marriage concept. That is so cool it's to amazing. think that. And when you remove that, it becomes fire, fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How amazing. That is just really cool. And another thing I'd like to point out, 
is the yod, the Hebrew letter yod, which was Y in, in English, is a masculine form. And that is what he put in ish, in man. The he, which is an H, any word that ends in a, in a he in Hebrew is considered a feminine word. Hmm. And it, this he is a feminine letter. And in fact, it represents the spirit, which the ruach in Hebrew, the Holy Spirit is actually a feminine aspect um, of the Trinity. And so he, he, he gave that to to Eve, to the woman. Wow, you just gave me some interesting thoughts there. We talk about the woman is belonging, is relational, and notice what the spirit, being that that feminine side, it's belonging. It's the belonging aspect of God. How cool is that? That is so neat. And and if you ever recognize whenever God changes somebody's name in the Bible, like Abraham, he changes it from Avram or Abram, to Abraham, he adds the hay in there. The relational the part. The relational part. And it's almost like the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's this uh, mercy cool. and uh, these feminine attributes. That's um, interesting because people, we were just yesterday, we got a question in Herman's Bible study Sunday evening. Somebody said, well, how do you know when the indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes? Before Pentecost. After Pentecost, we know that we as believers, we get this. But where in the previous times was it possible? And you're saying when God changes somebody's name, he says, yep, they're indwelt. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> I know a lot of Christians don't think that the Jews have a version of the Trinity or believe in the Trinity, but they do have a sort of aspect of this masculine nature of the Father and this merciful nature of the, the Spirit. Mm. And they even have a concept called Haben, which means the Son, and it's a perfect balance between the mercy and the justice side of God. How interesting. I never have heard that. That's great. A lot of people don't realize the first introduction of the Trinity shows up right there in Genesis 1.27. Yeah, that's what we're taking off on here. That's what's so neat about the way that the Hebrew words actually support this mindset that male and female is a better representation of the image of God, that he is powerful and he is relational, and it shows up in this ish and ishah. That's right. The Hebrew language has has astounded me for many years. It's one of the most ancient languages that was ever written down. You know, Phoenician, they say, is one of the first written languages, and it's a Semitic language just like Hebrew. It's a non-abstract language that can give us abstract thoughts in a concrete, in a visual way as modern-day contemporary Christians are all saying, we've got to learn Greek to be able to fully understand the New Testament. The Old Testament wasn't written in Greek. It was written in Hebrew. And in even the New Testament, uh, even though it was written in Greek, there's so many Hebrew idioms. Uh, it was written in a Hebrew society, in the Jewish society. And so regardless of, of what language we have it in today, it's, it's definitely a Hebrew thought process. And even if Paul didn't write in Hebrew, he was translating from Hebrew in his mind to the Greek. The concepts were in his head. Mm-hmm. and Because mm-hmm. you've talked to me other times about just Hebrew thought and how it's different from linear Greek thought, mm-hmm. for example. Absolutely. So a little bit more about the Hebrew language. So it was in a perfect tense, right? Some people say you can think of it, if possible, like you might Chinese, that there are these pictographs mm-hmm. or ideograms mm-hmm. that incorporate the letters so it means many things. Absolutely. The Hebrew language, of course, started off as pictographs or hieroglyphics, and, and then later on they shortened it to a script form, which was easier to write down. The roots of Hebrew words, they all kind of branch out from each other. So say like the word Adam, Adam, it means human or mankind. 
But from that, we get Adama, which means dust. We get Dom, which is blood. We get Edom, which is red, like Esau was named Edom because he came out red. And so you have red, dirt, human, and blood all wrapped up in this root system. And so whenever you read the Hebrew language, you're supposed to look at it through the context and interpret what that word is supposed to mean. But it's, it's a beautiful language in that you can interpret it several different ways and look at it several different ways. I'll say this as well. I don't know if you know who Eber was. Mm-hmm. Eber was mm-hmm. the great grandson of Noah's son Shem. Okay. Okay. He was alive at the building of the Tower of Babel. In fact, the way you say Hebrew in Hebrew is Ivrit. And Eber's name is Ivri, and it means to cross over. Now, Jewish tradition states that Eber did not participate building the Tower of Babel, and so his language wasn't confused. Whether that's true, I don't know. But we do know that Hebrew comes from this man, Eber, and he may have preserved the original human language for the Jewish people, the Hebrews. Thank you, Herman. And before we go, I want to invite you to drop us a line at Great Relationships, P.O. Box 51836. That's Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes for great relationships. You are not responsible for your family tree, but you are responsible for your limb and the acorns that fall from it. Dr. Marlon Howe. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral 8 relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Welcome back to Great Relationships, Pursuing the Best in Work and Life and Love. Well, certainly not always when you're not listening. During the break, Matt, you were explaining to me what the pictogram in Hebrew was for... (laughs) (laughs) So we had discussed, you know, how the He is a feminine letter, as well as the Yod being a masculine letter. Well, when we go back to the ancient Hebrew, the what we call the Paleo-Hebrew, the, uh, also it's called Proto-Canaanite, um, we have the pitograph or the hieroglyphic form of these Hebrew letters. And the hieroglyphic for the letter He is actually a person standing with their arms kind of upward, and it technically means to look or to reveal or to breathe. We see these attributes of the Spirit. We also see something was revealed and taken out of Adam, and he saw her, he looked at her, and I imagine he said, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
Likewise, the yod, it's a fist, like an arm, a right hand closed, and it means to work or to throw or to even worship. This attribute of work is what God originally gave to Adam to do, Mm -hmm. and to see that work was judged later, this is what man's design is all about. As Herman would say, these hormones that God put in our bodies uh, the estrogen, progesterone, it has to do with this hay concept. And mm-hmm. then the testosterone is this work and this masculine concept. How interesting that you can go even to those pictograms and, and see some of this. It's not as defined, right? but it's still there that somehow with the man's pictogram, there's more power. There's more separateness. Mm-hmm. There's more work associated with it. And then on the idea of the woman, there's more of a relational concept. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so Herman, with the time we have left, how does this relate for one thing for us? Well, the one thing goes back to everything we've been talking about here. The image of God that we're proposing is something that others have obviously considered is the idea that God is powerful and he's relational. That is a much better way to look at his image because you can see that throughout his word. There is a power. There is a relational concept. Anytime you look at his word and you can pick verses out of scripture and see those type of things. And it all originates back here at Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 where we're proposing that the image of God is this concept of maleness and femaleness. Maleness representing the power, femaleness representing the relational. So this ish and isha, Hebrew words here, demonstrate this once again. It's saying the same thing. And throughout the Bible, we can see that Satan's way of trying to trick humans is to distort this image of God. And when we take this maleness that he's gifted into the men and try to feminize it, or if we take this beautiful relational component that he's put into women and try to masculize it, it, it's a distortion of God's image and we see it all around us. We do. I mean, it's just amazing. That's what's also there in chapter two is to take a look at the distorting of God's image. Whenever we're too powerful, we're distorting his image. Whenever we're too relational, we're distorting his image. Now, there are extremes that we've talked about that needs to be uh, considered there. But when you ask a man to become more relational, you're pulling away from his actual design. And I'm not giving men the permission to not be relational. That isn't what I'm saying. But the strength is to be powerful. And the strength of women is to be relational. And Satan does not want us to be operating that way. He does not want a marriage to operate in that way. Well, it's interesting because Matt's talking about how Satan's trying to confuse us, and you're always talking about where you're looking, because where you look, you tend to go, and that our actions are preceded by thinking, and the world keeps trying to distort this image of Mm -hmm. God with messages that affect our thinking that we don't even realize. It's so interesting when you go and look at the videos on this very idea that Matt brought up how Satan wants to distort the image of God. Satan does it on both sides. Satan gets a man to try to think that he needs to be just all powerful. That's a distortion. He also gets a man to start thinking, well, he needs to be more feminine. He's going to get him both ways with that. He does the same thing to a woman. You need to be more powerful. No, you need to use your relational abilities to be powerful, sexy, and all this other stuff. He is distorting God's image any way that he possibly can. 
And that's why we want to have a very clear understanding of what God's image is, separate and belonging, or powerful and relational, and how a man is designed to be powerful, a woman is designed to be relational. The coming together of the two of them in marriage is the best representation of the image of God. Bless God. Thank you, Herman. And Matt, thank you. I hope you will join us again on this side of the mic. We could go on and on and on. It's just getting good. But I want to remind everyone of this, while we were talking about that consuming fire that Matt brought up for the believers. We have First John 1, 9. Mm-hmm. That consuming fire, you can put it out at any time by That's just right. confessing our sins, and God's going to restore and wash us. Amen. 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 Well, you're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, life, and love. The material we've been talking about, you can find in Chapter 2. Chapter 2, right. Of the Great Relationships website. I believe there's also a supplemental video that we've done with Matt that is huge. Matt, everybody just wants to start the trail. Where do they want to go? You can visit our commentary site once we get that up. We're going to expound on all these ideas that you hear in great relationships. But then also dig into the Hebrew language a little bit and, and kind of see uh, what's behind this uh, English word. I think it brings the Bible to life for a lot of folks. And there's so many tools online like the Blue Letter Bible that it makes it really easy for your average guy to do. Okay, thank you. And your website was thebiblesays.com. Thank you. Until next time. How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow, I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich Maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing. I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Have you ever had days like this? (laughs) Neither have we. That's why we recommend great relationships. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others, kindly, patiently, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.